0: Welcome to the LB School Library Podcast. I'm here today with Christine Suggs and I'm so excited to have them on. I am in love with their book. I have been looking forward to this conversation since I heard about this book. Um, We had it in acquisitions and I was like so excited. I was like please get it please and then we got it. I read it and I fell even more in love with it and then I just wanted to talk to Christine so bad, and here we are, and I am shaking with excitement because I've been dying to have this conversation. So that's enough of me babbling. Let me tell you guys a little bit about the book, which it's not, I swear, it's not only just me talking about it. SLJ has given it a star review, and it called it a safe space to read about mixed heritage and identity and Booklist praised it as a sweet and memorable story of growth and self-discovery. So it's not just me. <laughs> Christine, if for those who don't know, is an illustrator, designer, and comic artist. Their work explores the intersection of their identities, namely being a queer, fat, Latinx feminist who loves all things cute. They're also way too into Pokemon and cats. They're currently living in Dallas, Texas with their super rad husband and insanely adorable pet. Christine, thank you for coming on the show. Could you tell us a little bit about the book, I'miha out in April, by the way? Yes, it's an Aries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'miha is uh, based on the summers I spent in Mexico with my grandparents growing up. Um, it's so one of those stories that like I didn't think was weird until I tr- started like telling it to other people and they're like, oh, like you went to Mexico by yourself and you don't speak Spanish and <laughs> or like, oh, I didn't know you were Mexican because, you know, last name Suggs. Uh, I'm also like pretty pale and I am not fluent in Spanish. So like I'm a quote unquote bad Mexican, um, which was very nearly the title of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's just about like that kind of fish out of water, you know, learning on, on the fly and getting closer with my grandparents and uh, my aunt who also lives with them. And also with my mom, cause she joins halfway through the trip. And um, I think getting to see your parent be parented is always really telling like, Oh, I understand a lot more about you now. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's just about family and language and yeah, identity.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. There's so much in this book that (laughs) I love. You mentioned that you were telling people about this and then they were like, you do this, like you went to Mexico (laughs) and stuff. So was that what made you want to tell this story or was it just something, have you always wanted to talk about this?
1: I think it's something that just kept coming back in my work. Um, You know, I'm, I'm constantly writing about You know, identity and like all of what that means to me. And I've always felt kind of in between, um, you know, being being biracial. um, And then, you know, being in the plus size community like I'm not like um, like I'm still able to fit in most public spaces and find access to clothes like a lot of people can't. Um, And so I've just never felt like enough want to get big talk here, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so. I think this book was a really natural extension of that, of like, this is kind of where a lot of those feelings first started rearing their heads of like, oh, I'm not quite enough, you know, quite white enough, not quite Mexican enough. And I think it was just always going to be the first book I wrote, honestly.
0: Mm -hmm. And you, you talk about feeling split in between and not quite feeling enough. And I'mi has focused a lot on the multiracial experience and the multicultural experience, and feeling like an outcast, and like you don't belong in any community because there's a lot of different types of communities. And I know I've struggled with that. I'm also multiracial, and I'm sure there's a bunch of teens out there who, and and adults, everyone does, as I feel like, and I think that. I've never really seen that depicted in a book as much. I, I know especially I especially didn't see it growing up. The feeling torn, not feeling quite Hispanic enough or in your case, white enough, but like feeling Americanized and stuff. And I really think it's important to have that portrayed in books because it can feel very isolating as you even depict like... You know, you're you can feel rejected by both of your communities or any of your communities and you feel like you're alone. But I feel like what this book brings to readers and to young people is that you're not alone. There's tons of people having these experiences. And I know I cherish that in my read (laughs) and I hope everyone else does. But I also think it brings up this bigger point of. This book, even though it it deals with multiculturalism, can be relatable to anyone because everyone feels like a fish out of water kind of at that age. And even your character has multiple different identities that she relates to, um, which is then the queer identity, like you said, the fat community and the Latin community as well. So there's all these different aspects that one can relate to in the book as well. What do you hope this book can give to young readers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you said is spot on. I think we all feel alone sometimes. And I think one thing I love about writing kind of almost in an educational lens about identity is that, you know, there's kind of two prongs to it. You get people who are like, yeah, I relate to this specifically, like, you know, if if someone is perhaps Mexican and they're reading this, and they're like, oh, I recognize that cool landmark or whatever it is. Um, but I've also gotten messages from people who are like biracial in a completely different way. Like someone was talking about being like half Jamaican and they're like, yeah, I still see myself in your work because there is that feeling of isolation that you get when you're not, you know, not quite there, not quite there. Um, and, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's one of the reasons I'm so close with my sibling is because, like, we get it. <laughs> We're like, that was weird, right? We can look at each other and and understand any, but even then, our experience is different. He's He looks a lot more Mexican than me, I would say. But yeah, as far as, like, what I would hope teens would get from it is, I mean, definitely that that relatability aspect. But also, like, even if you can't relate, I think, you know, creating empathy through these stories is really important to me. And, you know, I think that's the kind of the second part of representation is like, yeah, you want to see yourself and you also want to learn about other people. Mm-hmm, of
0: course. Did you learn anything about yourself or your teenage years when you were working on the project as well?
1: Yeah. So um, for this book, I I interviewed my mom before I started um, because I kind of wanted to corroborate my memory in some parts like, okay, what happened then? And I kind of fudged some of the, like, the exact order of events because those trips can be such a blur. I mean, it's over 15 years ago now, I guess. and But I also like asked questions that I had never thought to ask before. Um, like, why did you send me by myself? <laughs> and the answer was like, sh- my brother went. And I really wanted to do it too because I wanted to do everything my older brother did. Um, I actually ended up going twice by myself, once in middle school and once in high school. I think he only went once. So I won, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's always a contest. Um, but yeah, I, I would ask her just like, okay, what what do you remember from those trips? And like, you know, what what was the purpose and like, what was important about it? And she was like, it was really just to help me with my Spanish, just because I had such a up and down relationship with it, just being in the States and using English 90% of
0: the time. Mm -hmm. How is your relationship with Spanish now? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Here's the thing. I'm still not fluent. Uh, And I used to be super, super embarrassed about it. And I felt guilty, especially now with my grandparents getting older. I feel like I'm missing out on spending time with them in a meaningful way. I've come to kind of accept it. I think like I'm not (laughs) obviously if I woke up one day fluent, that'd be rad. Um, But I think I'm like creating my own relationship with Spanish, if that makes sense. Um, so I, examples, I, I moved to, uh, South Oak cliff. Well, actually it's North Oak cliff. Let me take that. Um, so I moved to Oak cliff, which is a super Latinx area in Dallas. Um, and like, you know, down the street, there's just like a million different tortilleras and paleterias and like all the great food. And in a way it feels like coming home, which is really like nice. And, um, So I love like that and getting to share that culture with my husband as well. Little things like watching a telenovela and like talking to my mom about it or, um, you know, listening to music with Spanish. So like trying to find ways that I can connect to it while knowing like maybe I won't ever be there a hundred percent, but like it still has meaning. And honestly, like Mm -hmm. I think that's such a big thesis of the book too, is that like there's no right way to be Mexican. There's no right way to be Latinx or any of these kinds of identity markers like you can be not fluent and still have just as much meaning and connection with your past as other people.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a great message to give away, especially when nowadays when they have, like, I know I've seen online that trending, like, the Yo No Sabo kids.
1: Mm, I haven't seen
0: that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's, like, a thing online where they have that, where, like, the, the, like, younger generations, like, just don't know Spanish, so they call them a, yo no sabo kid I think <laughs> that so was mean, me though
1: <laughs> I mean yeah like, let I just, them be <laughs> yeah it, it's just
0: it's hard and and you know and that's think, like the bullying from your own community kind of again oh,
1: totally totally and like it, I think there was a time when I was very bitter about it and like I was kind of mad at my parents like why didn't you just like
0: do this and
1: they were doing the best they could, honestly. Like, you know, it was the 90s and it was, you know, kind of the the time period of, you know, assimilationism and, like, that's what you do. And um, where they lived at the time, there wasn't a big community of Latinx people yet. And so, like, they were really just trying to protect me. And now I'm, like, I'm grateful that they did that. Like, they were just doing their best with the information they had.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... that's um, the, you know, people have all different reasons why they either do or don't know like everyone has their own circumstances and their relationship to it I know I used to be way more fluent and then my grandmother passed away and so did my grandfather and then it wasn't spoken in my house as much anymore and it's a use it or lose it situation
1: oh absolutely (laughs)
0: like my family kind of stopped speaking it as much I still try to speak to my great aunt um my titi galati who reminded me of one of your <laughs> <thias> <laughs> in the book and like that's the most I end up using it. and I'll talk to my mom here and there but like I I definitely have um what, what's it called um risk uh receptive bilingualism oh, where right. I can understand it perfectly and like I can read it I can write it but like speaking it and it also kind of goes with like the shame of like sometimes I'm like my accent is so bad or like everyone's judging me um or like when I go to Puerto Rico they'll call me a Yankee <laughs> oh no um but they like and then I'm like I've gotten like used to it I'm like I know like this is how it is Or um, maybe I'll study a little bit or like I said practice sometimes but like I'm not gonna have like a amazing accents <laughs> <laughs> and start spewing it out like that's just how it is but I also think it's like really interesting how like I like for years struggled I was like I don't understand why I'm I like can understand it but I'm missing like this piece and like I don't think I fit in fully because I wasn't presenting in the same way even though I was like I kind of get it which another thing is the book Christine perfectly illustrates I think the translating experience where you have <laughs> a, a tiny little in the book Christine has a tiny little version of themselves as a, like a little Lizzie, Lizzie McGuire style guide um, who helps translate and guide and comment on things throughout the book and it was so funny having these little snarky comments and um, they helped with translating throughout the book and The little like info cards being like this sentence, somebody said Mm -hmm. something about a teacher (laughs) or like school. So they're asking you something about this piece together what it means. (laughs) And like, you don't know what that word means, but someone else reset the sentence in a different way. And now you kind of get it because they (laughs) use the word airplane. So they're trying to ask you like how your trip was. Mm -hmm. So, like, that was just great. And then you had, like, a little, like, diagram of, like, a story of stars <laughs> together. And, like, <laughs> I always re- reimagine it as, like, a little lotto machine. And then, like, the, the ending of the words are, like, slotting into place for which one
1: I <laughs> love that. to use.
0: <laughs> and then it, like, ends on the correct one. But sometimes it's wrong. So it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I lost. <laughs> um, oh, yeah.
1: My grammar is essentially at a toddler level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like my grammar is always wrong. But um yeah. I and that the another thing is like uh I like just your family was so loving, and that's also another thing I'm familiar with. And one of my um favorite parts of the book is you're talking about, I believe your grandma, mama. Um, and you say, you know, it's strange being loved by someone when you're not able to have a full conversation with them, but it's nice. And that just felt like so, so loving. And just even the art of it, do check it out if everyone's <laughs> listening. I wish I could pull up the panel <laughs> uh, because it's just, I felt like that really uh, displayed like a sort of unconditional love that even without words, you feel so loved and you could feel it back and give it back. And I think that relationship is so beautiful and unique and it just really touched me.
1: (laughs) Thank you. That's probably my favorite line from the book. So you, so you win, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, it is, it is really strange to be that close to someone Mm -hmm. that like, I don't talk to my grandmother that often. It's really like a kind of a third hand relationship of like, I, my mom talks to me about her and then she talks to her about me and like, we know a lot about each other, but like, I haven't been to Mexico in so long and it's just, it is this total long distance plus relationship. Um, But, you know, I, I know how much she loves me and I feel exactly the same. And really with, with all of them there, it's um, I think a lot of writing this book was a little bit of, if I'm being honest, grieving, just because like things have changed so much. Um, I have not been to Mexico since I was in college. Um, So uh, (laughs) listeners, I'm not going to tell you exactly how long ago that was, but it was a while. Uh, (laughs) I'm getting a little old. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's going to be different when I go back. My grandparents are getting older. They're not as able to keep up and like, you know, run around the city all day and, you know, go climb temples and all kinds of stuff. So I think it was a lot about trying to crystallize those memories and like keep them, keep them safe.
0: Mm And how was it, how was it putting your family into this cartoon comic format for you? Because some people create their characters, and it's very well known that authors will base their characters on people in their lives. But you were, like you said, crystallizing these memories and making them into this comic. So how was that process for you?
1: It was not as hard as I thought it would be. (laughs) I'm sure past me is like, what are you talking about? That was very hard. Um, But... For me, I don't know, my family all looks pretty similar. Like if you line us up, you're like, oh my gosh, like people think my brother and I are twins all the time. Um, Same with my mom and and her sisters. They look like it's a crazy gradient of faces, like, whoa. Uh, And so once I kind of nailed down the initial art style, it wasn't too hard then just to make like small tweaks to people's faces. Be like, okay, like, you know, dad's got a different kind of nose. Let's swap that out. And then um, I think color helped a lot too with playing with skin tones. Um, but yeah, I, I was very nervous about it at first. Cause like, I remember growing up, I didn't like drawing my family. Cause I was like too close to them. I know a lot of other artists are like that. They're like, Oh, I can't draw like my spouse or my family. Um, but for some reason I was able to do it this time. I don't know what happened. I, I guess I just, <laughs> it happened and I'm, I'm glad it did. But I think maybe cause it was just so specifically tied to memories that I was super fond of that. I think like that just made the process really easy and enjoyable for me. Like, I loved sending work in progress shots to my mom like oh do you remember this day and like it was super fun.
0: Oh that sounds very cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to diminish work but it's like doodling your life. <laughs> so there's got to be something. No I <laughs> totally I draw
1: very cutely I accept this about me. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, speaking of the art um, what did you use to create it like is it digital? and the color palette is very unique and eye-catching. So did you pick that, like, why did you pick that color palette on purpose? And it's like, for people listening, again, I wish I could just show you, but- <laughs> Go buy it. <laughs> buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> and it is this bluey, um, orange uh, color palette, which gives the book this nice warm tone. I, I like, I always like to describe this book as like, it feels like a hug. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, So, as far as the art, I work entirely digitally. Um, I actually drew the whole thing on my iPad on Procreate, um, which is a great program if you're out there drawing. Um, I think I used mostly the standard brushes that came with it, too. So, like, a lot of bang for your buck. Um, And as far as the colors, so I based those off of Mexican pottery, uh, particularly, like, Talavera tiles. Um, which I also used as my chapter breaks. I designed custom Talavera tiles um, based on kind of the themes of the book and then would reuse them when it made sense. Uh, so yeah, it was based on that. And so I, I actually came up as a graphic designer. And so I, I think limited palettes have always like appealed to me just because um, I, it just makes the work feel really, it's just a quick way to get cohesion so with this, I don't know, like I, I'm honestly sometimes scared of full color. So I was like, okay, well, you know, first baby's first book, let's try a limited <laughs> palette. <laughs> and it turned out great. So,
0: yeah, like, I, I think you really excelled in the palette. And at some, I think it's hard to do a limited palette. I mean, <laughs> not personally, I haven't done it, but I, from what I've seen and heard, I think it's hard. Um, but I think it, you really succeeded Thanks. in it, it capturing like- this
1: becomes a puzzle at some point you're just like okay well I already used orange here I can't have another orange next to it like it's a whole thing Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: some days I was kicking myself for it but most of the time it worked out
0: yeah and about those tiles I was gonna ask about them too they were very beautiful I loved um seeing them and it made me think of how rich in the cultural facts you have in this book did you do additional research or did you like know that because I know like I know at least in the book you're like online googling things <laughs> but you know you could have just looked it up later and through that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so most it's
0: of that's true that I, to life. always.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not a hundred percent true. So most of it, I knew I, so I, I've always really loved Mexican pottery. Like, I don't know how much of my office you can see now. There's a lot of Mexican stuff in here. <laughs> um, and it is, um, you know, that is how we spent a lot of our time in, in the countryside and in the city too, is going to like artisan markets and just like, gosh, one time we brought home like an entire like ceramic, set of mugs and plates and that was actually the time when I got sick like I do in the book and so my poor mother had to carry this heavy heavy clinking bag and I was too weak to help I felt so bad um but yeah that that was definitely an inspiration point I'd say like the loteria game definitely as well um I I love I have a deck here that I love just to look at sometimes I have like two loteria based tattoos so like I'm very into that so yeah I think I just really wanted to pick up on like the visual language of things I already kept close around me. Like um, there's this uh, great painting of Bernal, which is in the book as well. Um, And, you know, I remember like looking at that painting as I was drawing that scene, like I want to try to capture that feel. Um, So yeah, I think it really was about like, I think the only research I did was like going through old photos on Facebook and like kind of trying to piece together some of the layout of like the country house and um, the exact markings on the cat Chiquito that's <laughs> <laughs> like the that, very important stuff like that
0: yeah um because I know I I didn't know as much about Mexican culture but like I feel like I learned a good amount yeah. of stuff oh, yeah. <laughs> and I always love learning in books so <laughs> yes <laughs> um, so you do have quite a amount of stuff there um so you can teach others
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try I mean like I think that's That's one thing I wish I could have done more on the book with is, Mm -hmm. is like knowledge about like indigenous cultures, because that's such a key part of Mexican history. But like, I frankly wasn't taught that because we were kind of taught to internalize racism and hide that stuff. Like there's a lot of, of colorism in Mexico and there's a lot of really just uncomfortable stuff. And that's something I didn't touch on in the book just because I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. Like (laughs) I, (laughs) and because Not I yet. don't you know I couldn't start to guess like what kind of ancestry I have cuz like that stuff was very hidden.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Is there um is that like what you would have wished to include? Is there anything else? Like you said it was two trips. So mm. obviously I I'm, I'm sure a lot of things happened in two trips. <laughs> um was um, there something you really wanted to include but then it got cut?
1: Probably just like some miscellaneous stories from like earlier trips um there's a very cute story of when I was like probably three and I guess I was better at Spanish than I am now because I was able to hold conversations that's how the brain works I guess yeah
0: (laughs) you always get it when you're young and then yes and then public school
1: happened and (laughs) it all went away um but we were doing like a like a family barbecue and we're doing it like very old school like they were gonna bury the goat underground um and like cook it all day and I go up to my uncle, who I don't even remember which uncle this was. This is like a second cousin kind of uncle thing. Um, and I asked him very politely, why did you break the goat? Because <laughs> I, I guess I saw him kill the, the goat. <laughs> so just a lot of like little stuff like that, that like didn't really have a place in the narrative, but like I thought were funny or interesting, that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that would have been cute. I know my mom <laughs> always talks about when she saw them kill a chicken in Puerto Rico and then they were like we're having chicken for dinner and she like yes together what happened <laughs> and she's like I can't eat this <laughs>
1: uh, you know my mom said she kind of told the same thing and she was like yeah I would just say I'm not hungry when I would go visit my grandmother <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want her to kill a chicken And
0: he was just like no thank you okay. <laughs> <laughs> um another big part or not so big, I should say. Another part of the book is, um, your character exploring their identity. And I kind of liked how it was there, but wasn't like super the focus. Was that intentional or just something that evolved along the way?
1: I think it was intentional as in it was fairly true to life. Mm -hmm. Um, so the book takes place in like roughly 2009. Um, And I grew up in a fairly rural town in East Texas, um, which if you can believe it is an even more conservative part of Texas. Um, So like, I did not feel safe, not even just coming out, but like verbalizing that thought to myself. I would say the book is more straightforward about it than my brain would have been able to process um, because I was so, like, I just knew. I was like, that's not gonna be okay. Like, the, the one out gay kid in our school, I think, got beat up every year. Like, I knew, like, this is not a safe place. So beca- it's subtle because I had to be, I think. It, it's subtle because I couldn't admit that to myself till I was in college.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it, I'm glad that it came out the way it did. Um, but I am excited to, like, in the future, get to write more, like, outwardly queer stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was definitely well done. And when you put it in the context of the time period, it definitely, like you said, rings true, um, especially if you put the setting into play. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, but I think it it just added to that intersectionality for me of these different aspects of your identity all coming together and that you're not just one thing Definitely um, to the book.
1: It's extremely true. Like we, people are way more complicated than just a single label. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Another point that I found really enlightening was just like a small kind of point you made about your mom, about how she used to work in an embassy and then she moved to the States to be with your dad. And then she ended up working in like fast food chains and then moved up to working in a school district. And that was because she didn't have a college degree that she couldn't do anything else. And I thought it was really interesting because I feel like so many people judge or look down on people who work in these types of jobs. And like, you don't know (laughs) what people's lives are. And it also, I think, reminded me of of a quote, I think, from like Modern Family when like, I think it's Sofia Vergara's character. says like, you don't know how smart I am in Spanish.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah
0: yeah and i I like just that hit me when I was reading it, and I was like, like no one knows like when people come over or do anything and they just like think and judge and think these things, like you could have like a rocket scientist, and yeah. here you are and <laughs> and translating is hard you as you depict it, like it's exhausting, yes, you get fluent later on, but like it's never as easy as your first language. And it takes a lot of work. And that's brain power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally. smart. Like people who know multiple language, I'm always so impressed with. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're so smart and impressive. And your brain is like pumping <laughs> so many speeds. <laughs> so that was just a, a, something I wanted to call attention to, because that's another aspect that you, that you highlight is like the different classes and prejudices that are kind of faced by the different people in society and in your family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. My mom, I think she's like, so just ridiculously smart. And, um, like, I kind of assume anyone who knows two languages is smarter than me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you did
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying for how many years now? Like you did it. Um, and yeah, I think my mom in particular is like super sharp, super, um, hardworking and just like, my hero essentially. Hi, mom. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I totally am impressed by her ability to just make that first off to make that decision to be like, yeah, I love this exactly. person enough to leave literally everything and go to a country where I know nobody but him. Like, wow. Like, <laughs> like <That> too. <laughs> it took me a long time to get engaged. I was not like that quick. <laughs> um, and yeah, as far as like the the different types of jobs that are available to you, like, yeah, it absolutely can impact you. Your immigration status can impact you. And all that aside, like we also need those jobs. They're not unimportant jobs. Like yeah. we can't just not have service workers. Like it just, there's such a profound uh, lack of respect, I think, for for service workers in this country. And it's, it's quite upsetting.
0: Yeah, like be nice to people. It's not yeah, hard. Come on. <laughs> be cool. <laughs> you talk about how a lot about how you feel about your body, as any, I feel like a lot of teenagers do, you kind of feel negatively towards your body. totally.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> and that comes up a lot throughout the book. And then you end up seeing your family in Mexico, and they look like you. And that comforts you. But at the same time, you're still worried. And there's a scene later on where your mom has diabetes, I believe. And, you know, it seems like you have this routine with her and she's saying like, don't be like me, like don't end up having this. And that was just so familiar to me because I know my family, like everyone had diabetes (laughs) or has it. And It was just, like, this fear that I grew up with and was instilled in me, like, you can't get this. Everyone Mm -hmm. has this. I was just wondering, what are your thoughts about how that, like, ritual of talking to your mom about it and, like, don't be like me and how that, like, affected your view on your body and yourself. And you have society telling you, like, oh, you're not supposed to look that way. But then you go and you see the rest of your family and everybody looks like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean my body issue started very early I think I think a lot of it did have to do with with having diabetes kind of looming over me like pretty much everyone my, woman and a lot of the men too in my family have it uh, especially on my mom's side and so I was told from a very early age like don't have too much sugar and watch that and blah 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 um, and I have always been chubby I would say I wasn't fat at the time of this book which that was a trip like I looked back at old photos and I was like this is a time I felt the worst about my body. I was tiny. I was like a size eight, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which is not very big, but I would still get made fun of for being fat. Like, because I, I carry my weight in my stomach and my face. And so those are very visible. Um, and it was, yeah, going to Mexico and having everyone kind of look like me was, was very kind of exciting. I was like, oh, like I'm almost tall here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um very comforting too of just like okay like I think what is interesting about that is that like you kind of start to realize like oh it's it's not my fault like this is just how my family is built and I love my family so maybe I should love myself like that's the kind of the logic Mm -hmm. that you start to get into as far as the food goes I mean like I don't know there I think it's really interesting what kinds of foods we're told are healthy versus unhealthy and like I think a lot of that gets tied up in racism too. Like I, I started following this Latina nutritionist and like, she's unpacking a lot of these myths of like, all right, like you can eat rice and beans guys, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there's a lot of evidence to show that like cultures will figure out food that's nutritious. Cause it like grows together and like, that's good for you. And, um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it is really tough when like your culture is so involved with food, I would say, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. there's a joke in the book uh, where, you know, we say, if you're talking about food while you're eating, that's called being Mexican. And we do this all the time. Like literally just every time we get together, we're like, we well, want you want to eat tomorrow? Like as we're eating. Um, but I, I think I've come to like, appreciate it more as like, to, it's just like a gesture of love for us. Like that is so how we show affection. And, you know, if I will take love over being skinny any day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's and I'm so glad that I now get to share that like with my kind of found family of friends too and like we we had a tamale party the other day and it was great. Um so yeah, it's it's for me food is just so much about community that I think the benefits outweigh the harm.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point and I really think A lot of Latin cultures do show their love through food. It's the classic abuela, just, like, Mm -hmm. trying to shove food (laughs) down your throat. Absolutely. (laughs) It's just what they do. It's just what they do, and they're just trying to make sure you're all right, and that Mm -hmm. you know, like, they are willing to keep going and cook Mm -hmm. more if you want seconds. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Never ask for seconds. You'll get, like, fourths.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything... You think would surprise readers to know about your life? That's like maybe different from how they think you appear in the book. Hmm.
1: Um. Then I appear in the book. Oh, well, I mean, say obviously I'm you're older.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say,
1: yeah, I'm older, <laughs> not a teenager anymore. Um. Thank God that was not a fun time. <laughs> um. Let's see. Um. I would say that I feel a lot better. (laughs) Um, I think when you're a teenager, people go around telling you how great it's supposed to be like, this is the happiest time of your life. You got no responsibilities and blah, blah, blah. Um, I like being an adult way more. (laughs) So I don't know if any teen needs to hear that right
0: now. Like there's other stuff going on afterwards. (laughs) Our listeners find you online, Christine.
1: I am mostly on Instagram, um, at C Suggs illustration. That's my primary place. And also Christine for the real big updates.
0: Okay. Everyone go follow Christine. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, of um, course. Thank you for being here. I Mija comes out April 4th, 2023. Everyone go pick it up. It's a great book, a great graphic novel for all the comic book lovers, great multicultural book. And if you don't believe me, I have one other person who can back me up. It is a teen reader review. And uh, Beth Zardia said, if you want to be exposed to Mexican culture, read this. If you want to learn how to appreciate your roots, read this. If you speak Spanglish 24-7 like me, what should you do? Read this book. Oh,
1: that's so nice. <laughs> I remember getting that review and I was like, a real teen likes it. I did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, you know, if you don't trust us, trust her. <laughs>
1: she sounds wise.
0: <laughs> yes, she sounds wise. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Christine.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: And everyone out there, have a great day.